Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. On Christmas Eve, 1989, the John Severe Center in downtown Johnson City caught fire, and it was recorded as one of the uh, greatest fires in the history of Johnson City. Some of you are old enough to remember when that happened. It was in the newspaper. It was a, a huge thing whenever it occurred. The firefighters, <clears throat> ambulance, and police were not the only heroes that day or in the course of the next few weeks. Muncie Memorial United Methodist Church canceled their Christmas Eve service to help their neighbors across the street. This help continued into the coming days and into the coming weeks. And let me tell you something as a pastor about canceling a Christmas Eve service. You know, usually, that a lot of preparation goes into a Christmas Eve service. You know that you're not only going to have a lot of your people there, but you're going to have people from other churches there. And you're also going to usually have visitors there. And pastors and churches love visitors, meaning it's a very, very important service. But whenever they recognized everything that was going on within their neighborhood, literally right beside their church, they decided that this was a mess worth making. They made the decision, we need to cancel, we need to make sure that these people are taken care of uh, during this catastrophe uh, that would go on and last, uh, just the, the wreckage and things like that for weeks. Now to this day, Muncie Memorial United Methodist uh, Church is still an ongoing friend to the struggling and to the addicted and to the homeless that are in downtown Johnson City. I don't know about some of you guys, but whenever I drop off, drop off our hope bags for the homeless, this is usually one of the first places that I go, and you still see homeless people sleeping in the, on the lawn of the church, and a lot, of, a lot of churches would have the attitude, well, I don't want people when they're driving by to see that in our church, or what, with what our church looks like, but this is an example of a church that's doing it the right way in regards to that. They consider it to be a mess worth making. So this, this is what we're going to be talking about the next several weeks. It's going to be very convicting. You're, you're going to question a lot of what I say, which would be understandable because a lot of you grew up with the cultural norms of the church and the way that things were supposed to look. And I'm going to bring almost every single bit of that into question over the course of this vision series that we are starting today. And I'll stop, start by making this point. We've become, this is my opinion, we've become so conditioned by order so dependent on programs, so consumed with production, and so threatened by change that it's hard for us to internalize what the first century idea of church really meant or what it really looked like. So I'll read that one more time. You've got it on the screen, I think. We become so conditioned by order, so dependent on programs, so consumed with production, and so threatened by change that it's hard for us to internalize what the first century idea of church meant 
what the first century idea of church looked like. So whenever we have questions about how do we do church better, or how do we do church the right way, or how do we, we deal with these problems because we seem to be dying, we seem to be declining, there are all these problems. We don't look to the ancient church. We look to every influential megachurch in Atlanta or Dallas or Nashville or Houston, and we say, what are they doing? And then we feed further and further and further into this will of production instead of looking back at how the Holy Spirit is supposed to activate a movement of God among people. That scares us, but an internet search doesn't. All right, so we're going to be talking about some of those things over there. That's just a little bit to wet your whistle. We are starting, we're going to be in Mark chapter 3 today. We are starting our 2023 vision series. We're going to be in this series for five weeks. Then we're going to do a couple other things, and then we're going to be in our, our spring practice on worship. Spring sounds wonderful right now, doesn't it? We're going to be in our spring. <laughs> I got an amen over spring. All right, so we're going to be in our spring practice soon, but we're going to start our 2023 vision series, Mark chapter 3, just a, a powerful passage here. And what we're going to start looking at, if we're going to be talking about messes, today we're going to start with gospel messes. That's what we're going to be talking about as we introduce this series. So Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Jesus returned to the synagogue. A man with a withered hand, some of your translations may say a paralyzed hand or a damaged hand, was there. Wanting to bring charges against Jesus, they, they being the Pharisees, were watching Jesus closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath, I'm sorry. He said to the man with the withered hand, step up where people can see you. Then he said to them, it is legal on the Sabbath. Is it legal on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they said nothing. Looking around, looking around at them, again, the Pharisees, with anger, deeply grieved at their unyielding hearts, or some of your translations say their hardened hearts. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. So the man did, and he was made healthy. And at that, the Pharisees got together with the supporters of Herod, not talking about how amazing this was that Jesus, this miracle that he just performed, but instead talking about ways to plot to kill Jesus. So Mark 3 begins with one of the classic healings at the synagogue. Some people were specifically wanting to see if Jesus would in fact heal on the ha uh, Sabbath. I don't know why I want to say Sabbath. On the Sabbath so they could accuse him of then breaking Sabbath. Regardless of what his activities were, Jesus was always breaking Sabbath the mold. He was always defying convention. He was always sensitive to the Spirit of God. Jesus did not intentionally cause trouble. That wasn't his goal. It wasn't that I'm just going to go around with, with deviant behavior and try to shake everything up and, and, and mess everything up. That was just a result of the way that he did work. When Jesus was involved things often got messy. And please understand that when, when I say messy, because we talked about messy faith, we're in a five-week series called A Mess Worth Making. Please understand that when I say messy, I don't mean cause church drama or cause problems for no reason or make things really ugly so that we can change things. This is what it looks like when things get messy in the context of Jesus. Activity 
of the Holy Spirit will always disrupt the cultural norms of the church. So we have a certain way, even if you're pretty new to church, we have a certain way that we are used to doing church. When the Holy Spirit gets active in the process, and I know some of you are still a little, this whole idea of the Holy Spirit's kind of sketchy. I don't, I don't quite understand what you mean by that. When the activity of the Holy Spirit and the work of God starts to overtake the body, and you have to forgive people around you despite what they've done to you, you have to love your neighbor, you have to care for other people in a deeply genuine way, you have to take into consideration that maybe the way you're doing things is the way that other people are doing things, but it's not necessarily what the ancient church looked like, and that is what we are called to practice. And when normal is disrupted, people become uncomfortable. Would you agree with that? That's any social institution in the world. If it's a school system, if it's a political system, whatever it might be, when there are changes and things start to look radically different than what they've looked like in the past, it causes messes. Now, some of you are really going to like that. Because through this 21-day period of fasting and what God is doing in your life right now and the boundaries that you're having to cross as a follower of Jesus that you've never had to cross before, it's really scary, but you understand that you have to do that. And then there are others of you, you're going to get offended, you're, 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 going to, you're going to decide you don't like it because it doesn't meet the status quo, it's uncomfortable, it's not the way that it's always been. So we're going to see a lot of both of those things. It's naturally going to be messy. So just a couple of observations this morning as we start to introduce this series that are very important. And the first one is this, most religious people or most spiritual people, in fact, just most people in general, do not like it when things get messy. They just don't. That's something that we just talked about. It's something that most people are uncomfortable with. And I'll tell you what concerns me more than almost anything else as we talk about this, is that we are so comfortable with the rules, just like the Pharisees. We are so comfortable with the way that things have always been that we neglect what God is trying to do around us. So we are so focused on these rules, we're so focused on this is the way that the order of the service is, is supposed to go, church is supposed to make me comfortable, church is supposed to make me feel good, it's supposed to look like this, it's supposed to look like that. We become very uncomfortable when it doesn't look like that, that we are completely, we're, we're so caught up in keeping order, and we're so caught up in keeping the status quo and the way that it's supposed to look, that we are neglecting the work that God is doing around us, and that is the only thing that matters. So this is where the Pharisees are. And you have to ask, is this the place that I'm in today? This is verse 2 and then verse 6. Wanting to bring charges against Jesus, because this is the primary motive of this particular sect. Wanting to bring charges against Jesus, they were watching Jesus closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Not to see a miracle. Not to see, could this actually happen? But it was right here. Is he going to break the rules? Is he going to make me uncomfortable? Is he going to cause an uprise or a situation in which we all need to meet together 
and figure out how to destroy this person. That is, that is what they're going to do. If we go and look at verse 6, it says, At that, the Pharisees got together with their supporters of Herod and planned to destroy Jesus. The Pharisees are concerned with the rules. Jesus wants to bring about the miracle. And this is what we have to experience. I was having lunch with our elders just a couple, a couple days ago, uh, my dad and Dickie Gilbert, and we were having a conversation, and I said, I just want to tell you, I said, this year, I said, if things get weird, even if it seems that I change, I want everything that he has for me in this world. I don't want to neglect anything. I want to make sure that I'm open to receiving whatever it is that God wants to do in my life, and I'm finally at a point in which I'm willing to pay the consequences of anything that I lose. That is where I am, because the only joy... And the only peace and the only true sense of self that I find is when I am completely surrendered to what God wants me to do. And my prayer, more than anything, is that some of you, even if it's just a handful of you, are willing to come along with me on that journey because that's all it takes to start a fire. That's all it takes. So most religious people, most people in general, do not like it when things get messy. Now, as most of you know that know me, I am a, a structure person. I like order. I like organization. I like planning. I like to know how my day is going to go. But I'm going to tell you what I see is the biggest problem, the biggest dilemma that not only we have, but that the church in America has. So, so humor me for just a couple minutes here. This is the issue. And this is what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. Weekend services which is what this is. You're in a weekend service. Weekend services have received so much more emphasis than learning how to make disciples. All right? This weekend emphasis, were, and, and listen, the band killed it today. You guys did absolutely wonderful. But these weekend services and centering everything around a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Saturday night have received so much work on our part that we have failed to actually make disciples of Jesus. As a result, and this is why the world looks the way that it does, it's why the church is declining, it's why our, our kids, about 4% of Gen Z, would consider themselves to be, have a biblical worldview. As a result of us not making disciples, we have spiritually shallow and biblically illiterate people that are going to culture for answers, and not going to the Word of God, the life that is right here. That's the issue, and that's where we are today. The influence and power of preachers and, and worship leaders or worship teams is so strong that we've undervalued the gifting of people within our church. There is such a culture of celebrity around one person or around just a few people that if that person leaves half the church leaves if that person doesn't meet the expectations that person's to blame for everything and nothing else is considered and the body has not been mobilized to use the god-given gifts that each person in here has spiritual gifts are not emphasized how many pastors are actually talking to people about their individual gifting? And if it's not talked about, it's rarely or never used. How about this one? The franchising of churches 
has replaced the organic multiplication of churches that we see in the New Testament. And our sensitivity of the Spirit and to the Spirit has been replaced with a sensitivity to what people want or what other churches are doing. That's just the start of the list. So that's a good place to to stop with that. Apart from Jesus claiming to be the Messiah, which was a huge conflict, Apart from him claiming to be the Messiah, the biggest conflict that Jesus had with other religious leaders was healing on Shabbat or healing on the Sabbath. So you think about all the things that Jesus got in trouble for. You think about all the messes that Jesus made. You think about all the problems that people saw that came as a result as the ministry of Jesus. Outside of him claiming to be the Christos or the Messiah, This was the greatest thing that he got in trouble for. There are 27 recorded miracles of Jesus. Seven or 26% are Sabbath healings. This means that Jesus was used to making messes. In fact, when Jesus intervenes in your life or in the life of a church, there are always going to be messes. Our miracle today is the man with the withered hand. That's what we're talking about. Verse 5 says this. Looking around them with anger, deeply grieved. Two different emotions here. Angry. Yes, Jesus did get angry. We all get angry. All right, but, but Paul tells us in your anger, do not sin. All right, so don't take your anger to the point where you chew that person out. Or you say something that you can't take back. All right, that's the point where we get in trouble. We all get angry. All right? But Jesus gets angry and then he's grieved. And grieved is going to be very important here in just a second. At their unyielding or at their hardened hearts. And this is what this is saying. This this grieved here, it's used several different times. Grief grief is used several different times in the New Testament. This is the only time that this word for grief in the Greek is used. And what this is saying is that Jesus is hurt. Jesus is saddened when he sees that these religious people are so consumed with what he is going to do on the Sabbath and do not care about this man that is literally right in front of them. He is sad, and today, he looks at hardened hearts. Our church is fine the way it is. We've always done things this way. A lot of churches that that are trying to move from maybe more of a traditional to a contemporary model, well, we've always had church on Wednesday and Sunday nights. Well, well, why? Why? Because in the Bible, they had church on Wednesday. No, they didn't. No Wednesday night prayer meetings. Prayer meetings, specifically Wednesday night? I don't think so. I've not read that. Right? But it's it's these traditions that are broken. So he's not concerned about the rules. He's paying attention to the miracles. So he is deeply grieved. So imagine, imagine this situation right here. You've got this poor person that's in front of you. You've got this struggling person, this addicted person, this person that's going through a divorce and they just, they are grieving over how much they miss their spouse, the person that's had a death in their family. And and you've got these religious people standing before them like they don't even care. And it's like Jesus is saying, this is it right here. This is what you're supposed to be concerned about. These are the things that, this is the area that you're supposed to be showing compassion And he's amazed at how cold they are. 
about this man that is standing right in front of him. So it says, look around at them. He looked around at them with anger, deeply grieved at their unyielding hearts. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He, he's done it now. This is where he's in trouble. Because the second he said, stretch out your hand, you know what's going to happen next. He's going to heal the man. He says, stretch out your hand. So he did. And the man was made healthy. Now, let's say that I'm, I'm, I'm a good Jew or, or not a good Jew because Christianity didn't really exist at this time, and I'm watching this, I'm not thinking he just broke the Sabbath. I'm thinking, did you just see what happened? I mean, that man's hand was completely crippled, and now it's made well. It's like you would think that would be the big thing that everybody would be talking about. But instead, they say, we're in trouble. Time to call a church committee meeting. Time to get together and get rid of this psycho that's changing lives. Time to get rid of this person that's disrupting things by healing someone. It's how twisted the thinking are. Here are the other six miracles. Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law on the Sabbath. Jesus heals a man born blind. Jesus heals the crippled woman. Jesus heals a man with dropsy. Jesus drives out an evil spirit. And he heals the lame man by the pool at Bethesda. Jesus wasn't concerned with the rules. He was looking for the miracle. Some of you, some of you love this church. You, you, you love everything about this church. Maybe at least a few of you love everything about this church. There are others of you in here that, that really like this church. You really care about it. It's a big part of your life. But you're still trying to contain everything about Jesus in your safe little box. And I'm going to tell you something. This is exactly what the enemy wants. And the enemy is very, very afraid of the threat of messiness. So I'm going to tell you something. And, and, and you may not like the way this sounds but if you're in here on occasion, or even if you're in here pretty often, but your life has no movement whatsoever, you're in the exact same place as far as the enemy is concerned as someone who never goes to church at all. It's not about how often you happen to show up here. It's not even about the relationships that you're building here. It's about what you are willing to release in your life so that your life can get messy. And I'm going to continue to try to convince you of this. Following Jesus is about more than occasionally attending church. It's about more than being part of a small group. It's about more than serving once a month. It's about more than helping with an outreach project, it is not something that you can compartmentalize while you go do the rest of your life the way that you want to do the rest of your life. So what we're going to be talking about over the course of the next few weeks, just to give you a very quick preview that I also talked about at Vision Night, we're going to talk about, starting next week, three messy shifts that are going to take place in 2023. Some of you are going to respond very well to these. Others of you are not going to respond very well to these. 
All right? Three shifts, and I can tell you this, with, with God impressing this on my heart in the middle of the year in Denver, Colorado, that this is the direction we're taking this year, and it's just continuing to build on what we're already doing. And I'm going to go through these fast. Shift number one, from the idea of a home church, where this is where all of us are for the rest of our lives as we build and build and build and build empire. The idea of a home church to a sending station. So starting to teach people what it means is some will be in this church for the rest of their lives, and that can be a very, very good thing and a positive thing. But the Spirit of God is a missionary spirit. And some of you are being, going to be called out to other places. And that's what we're going to be talking about next week. We're not going to send you out next week. We're just going to talk about it. Shift number two, from church attenders, from consumers to disciple makers. Let me tell you something, and you may not like this, but every single person in here that's ever called upon the name of Jesus, you should have two to three people in your life that you're regularly discipling. No, and I'm not talking about your kids. That's a given. There are two to three people in your life that you should be regularly discipling. We're going to teach you how to do that this year, and we're going to start that this year. We'll talk to you more about it. Shift number three, from volunteering to spirit-filled gifting. So we need people serving in this church and volunteering in different areas. That's just the basic function of any organization, even outside of faith, holding doors, working in security, doing a variety of different things. But beyond that and deeper than that, we want to help you understand why you're here. Like, what, why are you on planet Earth? What is your life about? So those are the three things that we're going to talk about. And I can promise you that those things are very, very messy. But I believe we're up for the challenge. And I believe that the time is now. Author Mark Arnold suggests that it's unlikely that the man with the withered hand was there that day to condemn Jesus with the Pharisees. So he probably wasn't there to bash Jesus and to try to talk about how do we get rid of the influence of Jesus. He probably wasn't there for that reason. He also suggests that he probably wasn't there that day for healing. And the reason that we believe that we know that is because typically in the New Testament, when someone is healed, they ask for healing. So, you know, a situation where you, will you come and see my sick daughter? Um, I've had this issue for X amount of years. Can you heal me? That's typically what we see. So if he's not there asking for healing, and if he's not there to condemn Jesus with the Pharisees, that simply means that he was there to be taught. So the question that I have for you guys today is this. How teachable are you? How teachable are you? Are you willing to release preconceived notions about what church is supposed to be? Guess what? Maybe we're not all bad, ugly, nasty hypocrites. Maybe there is more to this life than showing up and preparing for Sunday morning. Are you willing to release those preconceived notions that maybe you grew up with? If you're new to church, you're probably in better shape than most. How willing are you 
to be part of a big mess. My first week of 2023 has been wonderful and horrible at the same time. And if I need every week to be like this, to extract all of the bad out of me and import all of the Jesus within me, so be it. Even if you have to visit me at the hospital or I've had a nervous breakdown or whatever's happened, I'm all in. So I'm going to say this again. We've become so conditioned by order, so dependent on programs, so consumed with production, and so threatened by change that it's hard for us to internalize what the first century idea of church meant. As a result of the horror that happened in downtown Johnson City around 30 years ago on on Christmas Eve, Muncie Muncie Memorial United Methodist Church developed a ministry that some of you are familiar with called the Melting Pot. This is a ministry that continues to feed the homeless and struggling neighbors in the Johnson City area weekly. Messes are necessary. Messes are ugly. But I'm praying that God makes a mess in the, in the lives of the people that are in this room today. Really following the Spirit. Like really in your life, no plans, no motives, no other agendas, no uh, ideologies that you have to you know, uh, stick to on the left or the right, no, um, uh, any preconceived notions whatsoever, but I am going to lean in to this thing and I'm going to trust it, leads to organic movement that unleashes gifting, creates local community, and makes disciples. And this is what we have to be about. This, as I close, is the heart of the church. Not a preaching series. Oh, did you hear that we're talking about, you know, the book of Jonah? Did you hear we're talk, doing a series on depression? Did you hear we're doing a series on, on this current issue? Did you hear that? That's not what it's about. It's not about a worship set list. It's not about flashy statistics. And it's definitely not about a good show. Following the Spirit of God into the messes is where we're going. God is building an amazing future for this church. And I am just grateful to get to be a small part of what God is doing among this body. And I'm going to tell you guys, this, this 2023 going to be a year like we've never seen. It is going to be a year like we have never seen. And my prayer is that you will join us in the work that God is doing. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed this morning, I ask this question again. Are you willing 
to be taught. Maybe you're just a bystander that has showed up outside of the synagogue or inside the synagogue to hear this man Jesus speak. And all of the baggage that you bring from a difficult childhood to maybe the rebellion of your 20s, you're a teenager and you're just trying to figure it out. Please hear this from the bottom of my heart. He is faithful to you. And there is not another person in your life. There is not an organization. And there is not even a church because we will fail you. That will be as fluid and consistent. But you have to let go. There's no other way. If a person is going to follow me, they have to deny themselves. And take up their cross and follow me. For the person that is trying to gain their life will lose it. But the person who loses their life for my sake will find it. Your identity and where you are. My prayer is that if the Spirit is moving in your heart and leading you, that you will find a space on this altar this morning and you will turn everything over. And I'm going to tell you something. There are good people in this church. Good people before I was ever part of this church. There are people that will journey with you. But you've got to be willing for things to get messy. Father, we lift you up and we thank you for the work that you're doing through this, this time of, of fasting, through this time of prayer. God, I just, um, any disagreements that we have in our church between people, Father, I pray that you help us to heal and remove those. I pray, God, that we magnify your name and we lift you up and we take the, the sin and the struggles through the form of addiction and doubt and any other form of darkness and we place it at your feet. And Father, that we are moved in such a way that we understand and see your loving presence that we can't find even in the people in life that we have the most confidence in. Spirit, move among us. Create a community. Enable the gifts of the Spirit, Father. Heal our hurting places. And God, help there to be people here today that make the decision to turn everything in their lives over to the cause of the cross. We pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit that's going to move us now. Amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit Believer'sChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.